to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. It's such an amazing story, and I've been privileged to be a small part of it, but someone got to share the word with someone for a long time in difficult circumstances. That God would take someone whose life has been written up on our newspaper, special section, I think 15, 16 pages long, take someone whose life was filled with hardship and heartache and plant that person in a place to give glory to him and to bring his good news of Jesus Christ to a community that really needs it, it's an amazing story. During the days since 2013, while I and others were serving the Lord as pastors and teachers and serving each other as members of God's family, ministering to one another, here in this place and in this community, someone behind the maximum security fences a scary, frightening, difficult place was used by God to minister to many, many people. She said to me on Tuesday when I saw her this week, not knowing that she was going to be released soon, it, she said, it just amazes me that God has been able to use me and she gave me one example, bragging about God, not about herself. She doesn't do that much. Huh? She left for a time the prison in Tachita this calendar year, I believe it was, or last fall, I'm not remembering at the moment, to go to another prison. She was supposed to be eligible for release to a minimum security place, but they said, we're not going to let you go. There's something we need you to do. You've been part of establishing something like Stephen Ministry, only it's not for proclaiming the gospel of Christ, although she can, but a one-on-one -on -one peer counseling group, peer support better. At Techita, they have one that is absolutely thriving. She had 15 to 20 people who on a regular basis each month sought her out, and she had contact with them to encourage them in the challenges of their lives. And the people in authority at the prison said, we're sending you to another prison to help them get that going there. She returned. When she did, one of her fellow inmates came up to her and said, Angelica, I want you to know that I was a pagan, but now I'm a Christian. And the reason God caused me to inquire about Christ was you. I saw the way you lived your life. I heard the things that you said in your witness, and I just had to know about that. And I found out about Jesus, and I'm so thankful. This happened behind prison walls. The gospel was not in chains, as the Apostle Paul said. Where can it or has it happened in your life and right now, where does God want you to be his witnesses, giving glory to him and gracing others with the love of Jesus Christ? 
You are important to God. And God wants to use you to make an impact in the lives of everybody you meet, no matter how difficult the circumstances or how unlikely the connection might seem. The reason God used Angelica was because despite the fact that she was in prison and had suffered the loss, difficult to fathom, of three of her four children in the fire, God's Spirit had led her world to have her to have God's vision, God's worldview. She saw herself as loved by God and sees herself that way and that he had a purpose and was with her and would help her to be and become what he wanted her to be. She had God's worldview for herself. And really, that's what God's Spirit is seeking to establish more in my life and in yours today, and those out there who may be viewing this live stream or later, um, through these difficult words from the Apostle Paul. Understand this, they're found in the book of Romans, and Romans is treasured by the Lutheran Reformation, Martin Luther himself, his famous reference to Romans 1, verses 16 and 7, not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, which we'll hear in a moment, power of God for salvation, became a watchword for the renewal of the Christian church. And the chapters of Romans as they unfold are God's testimony the People's Bible, if you're familiar with that series, Armin Panning, with the Lord now, wrote the, ver the, the description of Romans chapter 1, the interpretation of it. Masterful job, minimal words, unlike me. Very clear. And he says the whole purpose of Romans is to show the righteousness, righteousness that avails before God, that enables you to stand before God in heaven forever. The righteousness that avails before God is only the righteousness that comes from God through faith in Jesus Christ the Lord. So that's the overall picture of Romans. In chapter 1, Paul exalts, as we'll see, about being a messenger to share that good news. And then in the verses that we have, he begins two and a half chapters of showing why this is such a necessity. Showing the world's need everybody, no exclusions, for the good news of someone who paid for their sins and came back to life for their salvation. No exclusions. The first group we have in the reading today, and I'm going to read the rest of that reading from Romans 1 with you too, shows people in the world living naturally in gross, ugly sin of all kinds, not just sexual. The second group, which we're not going to cover today in Romans 2 and 3, talks about some people who are trying to live a moral life, no matter what their religion that they claim, who think that, well, I've got an advantage before God over others because my life is more upright than theirs. And then a third group, and you and I could easily fall into this one too, besides the other two, our people, the Jews at the time of Paul, and Christians today, maybe especially Lutheran Wells Christians, who think that they have an advantage before others because of their external connections with the Church of God. I was baptized as an infant in a Lutheran church. 
I was confirmed in the faith. I've never been excommunicated. I'm, I'm in church quite a bit. And I, if you only know how much I give, God knows it's pretty substantial. And thinking that our relationship with God is based upon what we've done for him instead of only upon what he did for us. So in the opening of this book of Romans, showing the righteousness that avails before God is only the righteousness that God gives, or it comes from God through faith in Jesus Christ. In the opening of that come these tough words to shatter sinful hearts, to lead us to our knees, to confess our unworthiness so God can step in and say, I lift you up. Go in peace. Your sins are forgiven. And then the rest of Romans shows what that's going to mean in your life now and forever. It's beautiful. As we get into that good news, there are some sordid things about our world and us that we got to see. Turn in your bulletin, if you would, to that second reading, Romans chapter 1. You, you start in verse 18. That's going to be our text, 18 to 25. But I want you to see the context of it. Okay? So I'm going to read a couple of verses, 16 and 17, and then after verse 25, I'm going to add some from Romans 1. You ready? He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in the gospel a righteousness from God is revealed by faith for faith, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. And then you have it. Indeed, now he's showing the need for this righteousness from God. Indeed, God's wrath is being revealed from heaven against all the ungodliness and unrighteousness of people who try to suppress the truth by unrighteousness. This happens because what can be known about God is evident among them, because God made it evident among them. In fact, his invisible characteristics, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen since the creation of the world because they are understood from the things he made. As a result, people are without excuse because even though they knew God, they did not honor him or give him thanks as God. Instead, their thinking became nonsense and their senseless heart was darkened. Although they claim to be wise, they've become fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human, or like birds, four-footed animals, and crawling things. So as they followed the desires of their hearts, God handed them over to the impurity of degrading their own bodies among themselves. Such people have traded the truth about God for the lie, worshiping and serving the creation rather than the creator who is worthy of praise forever. Amen. Then the chapter concludes with these uncomfortably frank words. For this reason, God handed them over to disgraceful passions. Even their females exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. And in the same way, their males, after abandoning natural sexual relations with females, were consumed by their lust for one another. Males perform indecent acts with males and receive in themselves the penalty that is fitting for their perversion. 
And since they did not consider it worthwhile to hold on to the true knowledge of God, God handed them over to a corrupted mind to do things they should never be done, that should never be done. They are filled with every kind of unrighteousness, evil, greed, and wickedness. They are full of envy, murder, quarreling, deceit, and malice. They're gossipers, slanderers, God-haters, insolent mockers, arrogant boasters, and loud mouths. They dream up evil things. They disobey their parents. They're senseless, faithless, heartless, and merciless. Even though they know God's righteous decree that those who do these things are worthy of death, such people not only continue to do them, but also prove of others who continue to commit such sins. Romans 1. Remember, we're seeking to have God's Spirit cultivate in us God's worldview and to act on it. First of all, here you see man's view of God left to ourselves. And it's pretty shabby, isn't it? You and I are so used to bumping into evolution wherever we go, um, watching things, reading things, that's historical spots, parks everywhere, and it's just assumed because it's part of the educational system of the, has been for decades, generations now, that God didn't create the world. If there is a God, he didn't create the world. Somehow it got started. We don't, they don't know how. Millions and billions of years ago, it came into being, and that's just by chance, and so was our appearance on the planet. No creator, no creation. It just happened. So you rule out, in the beginning, God. And if there is no God from whom you draw your origin and the origin of the planet on which you live, if that's your worldview, then there's no being to tell you how you should view the world. What's right, what's wrong, what's good, what's bad. So what are you left to do? Now you follow others? Or you chart your own course and you follow a way of self-actualization. What you think and what you feel becomes the law for you. And woe to anybody who gets in your path and transgresses your law. Paul spoke about how they made gods out of mortal beings. Or out of, as he said, out of birds, four-footed animals, crawling things. How about when you make a god out of yourself? Instead of, as Moses was told by God, Moses said, what God, when I come to the people of Israel and say, you're God, God of your fathers, send me, what's your name? What shall I say? Oh, God says, tell them, I am. I am has sent me to you. Our generation, and it's Paul's generation and goes back to Adam, doesn't say he is, I am, but I am. I am God. I will decide what I believe, what I do. So God is insulted and robbed of his glory and honor. It's not praise be the creator and the sustainer of his creation and the savior of it. No, no, no. We don't need that salvation. 
Paul shows what happens when sin is blatantly permitted and committed and promoted. Instead of becoming wise, you become fools. The things you say and that you propagate are nonsense. Someone has said, God is so good, he has made beauty that can be seen, beauty that can be heard, beauty that can be tasted, beauty that can be touched, beauty that can be smelled. All of that is in creation. We sang Psalm 19 today. Listen, it says, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their sound has gone out into the, all the world. And those sensibilities that God has made known for all people, including the testimony of his existence and his will in their hearts, natural knowledge of God, no. We're not going to see that. We're not going to acknowledge that. We've got a better idea. And so God's testimony is contradicted. God's truth is covered up by unrighteousness. This is human condition of sinners in rebellion against God, trying to deny his creatorship, not give him glory and praise as he desires and deserves, not respecting him, not listening to him, but listening as they blabber to others and listen to the blabbering of others. Blabbering that contradicts the reality of God and what he has done and what his will is. Well, that's not very pleasant truth at first. It's hard to take. And the next chapters, as they talk about people that, hey, I'm living better than others. God says, sorry, you're not living as good as I want. Or people that think, hey, yes, I, oh, I hate what those things, all those sins that, that they do. Oh, my goodness. Or those other heathen religions. I thank God that I'm not like that tax collector. I'm, the story from Jesus' ministry. God condemns the whole world, each of us, and everybody out there, by revealing our unrighteousness, the righteousness necessary to have to stand in the presence of God forever in glory, forever in glory, can't come from us, but it has come from God. And that's why when Paul says, Boy, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the good news of salvation for all who believe. I'm not ashamed of him. I'm going to proclaim it. That's why he says it. And then he goes into what we heard today. This is why it needs to be heard. Because the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all the ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who stifle God's truth and glory by their nonsense and lies. I'm not going to say amen. That wasn't God's purpose. God's view isn't just, oh, look at those miserable sinners down there, <clears throat> like I do with the carpenter ants. Probably shouldn't, huh? 
That's not God's worldview. You know what it is? You do. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Yes, God sees the sin. In fact, he saw it all in one moment in time. And he saw that before time began and planned that way of expiating, covering the sinfulness of the entire human race, all of mine, yours, everybody's. Covering that by pinning it in the blame on his perfect son who showed his faith and love for God by obeying God and obedient to death, even death on the cross, forsaken by God. That's God's plan. He wants the whole world to see the full righteousness of Christ and understand that the Holy Spirit, when he brings us to faith and he wants everybody to believe in Jesus, covers us with that righteousness. It avails before God. This is what the world needs to hear. Now, sisters and brothers, you're no different than I am. We may use different means for this, I don't know. But we're inundated and oppressed. You can be 24 hours a day, as long as you can stay awake, by the world's view of the world, right? What they think is important to put on their blog or on their website or on their news hour in the midst of all the commercials or on their radio or in the paper. It's what they think is important for you to know about your world in Milwaukee and Milwaukee County and the state and the country and the world and other worlds out there. It's their worldview. God wants you and I not to hide our heads in the sand about what's going on, but to be careful about accepting other people's worldview. But conscientious about seeing God's worldview and living according to it. What would that mean? First of all, give thanks to God and give him glory for what he made. And that's everything that exists, including you. Don't be ashamed to confess the fact, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Not ashamed of that. And it's not just in this building that I feel comfortable saying it. In gentleness and with respect, but with confidence and courage and clarity, seeing your life and your world as coming from the hands of a creator who cares for it and has redeemed it by his blood. Witnessing to the truth about the origin of things and the originator of them, God, the creator of heaven and earth. Opening and using your senses every day to sense the goodness of God despite the sinfulness of our own and the world, obscuring the sights and sounds and fragrances and things that God has created. Find them. Don't just have earphones in your head listening to maybe even good music and blogs and stuff, but open your ears to hear the birds singing and the other creatures around you. Breathe in the air and give God glory for it. See God's presence in every place you are, no matter how squalid the conditions may be at the time. Remembering in God's worldview, which is our worldview, 
that that world, which like myself, whenever sin is in my life, is disgusting, that world needs Christ, and he loves them, and so do I, and should I. In doing what I can to live an authentic life, as Angelica did in the, and does in the prison, all places, letting the light shine so that the staff and the inmates, they know this is someone who believes in Christ, and this was like to have his view of the world, even if your world is enclosed in a wire, barbed wire fence. Living your life, recognizing the freedom that God's Spirit gives you, as Peter says in 2 Peter, his Spirit has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Sin should not and shall not be your master. Paul wrote the Romans, you're not under law, impossible demands. You're under grace, which empowers and sets us free to follow Christ. And when we slip up because of our old inherited nature, to know that that's pardoned. Sorry, God. Sorry, neighbor. I can do better, and I will. And to see to it that in my life, I look for an opportunity to tell everybody you're no different than I am, a sinner who deserves God's wrath, but who instead has received God's love through Jesus Christ. He's your Savior, too. And even though I have to condemn the sin in myself and speak about what's wrong in general in our human condition, that's just to show the need for Christ, not to reject you, but to love you by letting you know your need for him and then to tell you he meets that need now and forever. Jesus is your Savior. That's God's worldview. That's your view. And we want to grow in our sharpness of vision, seeing that, and in our commitment to following that. So I'd like the Apostle Paul, he says, I'm so eager to get to Rome. I got good news to share with you. You can say, I'm so eager to get on the bus tomorrow morning. I'm so eager to go down to a lakefront festival. Or so eager to be at work or at play or whatever it may be. Knowing God and showing a godly attitude and kindness to the strangers or friends around me. So that the love of Christ is not obscured and God's world vision is not clouded but that it shines brightly. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and praise your Father in heaven. I was a pagan. Now I'm a Christian, Angelica. I want you to know how God has used you. When you get to heaven, there are going to be people, you might be very surprised. There are people who say, you know, you were an inspiration to me. You were the one who taught me to know or called me back to Jesus, I'm thankful to you. There's more that can be said, but I'm gonna say amen. You can say it too. Good, let's stand, please.